You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Now that heart is beating fast, and that's the rhythm I can dance to. I'm mighty glad I've got a chance to, that one big heart that's beating fast. Tomorrow morning, let it rain. Tomorrow morning, let it pour. Tonight we're in the groove together. Ain't gonna worry about stormy weather. Gonna kick old trouble out the door. Beat out old trouble and drunk. Beat out old trouble and drunk. Beat out old trouble on the drum and kick all trouble out the door beat me that rhythm on the drum beat me that rhythm on the drum beat me that rhythm on the drum and kick all trouble out the door kick him out the Welcome to Radical Australia on Community Radio 3CR, streaming on 3cr.org.au. My name is Joseph Toscano. The brilliant, the wonderful Kelly Whitworth is once again in the studios producing this program and she'll have it podcast in the next 24 hours. Once again, Kelly has put her hand in the barrel and found a willing victim. Sasha Sidek, how are you, Sasha? I'm good, thank you, Joe. How are you? I'm I'm always well because when you're my age, there's no point complaining because nobody listens. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, if you're my age as well, I hate being, uh, people to whinge as well. So yeah, I'm, I'm pretty right. sure I'm a lot younger than you, and I hate people whinging. Well, so. wouldn't, wouldn't wouldn't be hard for you to be a lot younger than me. Can, <laughs> can I actually ask how young or old you are? I'm 40 years old. Oh, your life is just ahead of you. Uh, look, I've got, I've got 30 years on you, and I can tell you, you've got a great philosophy. Don't look back and get on with your life and stop whinging. That's it. That's yeah. it. Now, yeah. Sasha, I've got to, have to ask you a very private question, mm-hmm. because I walked into the 3CR studios today, and there are the, these two large boxes. Okay. Did you have anything to do with them? Sorry, two large boxes. Yeah, and there's all the, and there's all these apricot and fig things and bars oh, and health bars. Yeah. Oh yes, that's what are you? from yeah, that's from behind closed doors. That's from your program. Our gift to you. You're not doing to the station. You're not doing a Kool Aid on Free CR, are you? No. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to get rid of all of us, do you? <laughs> no. No, Kitty actually got it from. Um, I'm pretty sure it was Virgin, uh-huh. and yeah. So and then yeah, usually Kitty will get it and then I'll bring it to Tricia. Well, yeah, well, I was I, I was I was amazed. I was shocked. I saw I saw that your program was behind <laughs> this, and I'm thinking, are they trying to poison us? Is this is this a conspiracy? So, so, so if I put a few in my pocket, that's all right, is it? Because there's about a thousand yes. there. Yes, of course it's all right. Yeah, take, take a few. 
Good. You might be hungry wherever you are. Uh, well, I could be. I'm always hungry. Now, Sasha, <laughs> Sasha, yeah. were you born in this country or were you born somewhere else? Uh, I was I was born in Singapore and right. also raised in Singapore. So, yeah, I moved, I moved here. Um, I've been here more than a decade. So, yeah, in Melbourne. You've been in Melbourne for a decade. So you spent 30, yeah. 30 years in Singapore. Yes, uh, yeah, 30 years. No, maybe less than 30 years. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, everybody thinks of Singapore as the place where they hang drug smugglers and there's no papers on the streets. How did you, what was it like as a small person in Singapore, a young person? You know what, um, that what is not uh, my worry anyway because we hardly, not, People that I mix around, we don't do drugs over there. But uh, being a transgender woman is a bit hard because we are still considered like illegal being in in, in Singapore, being a transgender person. Mm. And I've been thrown in jail so many times, you have no idea. When they caught me, when they asked for my ID, and, and then they found out that I was a male, they will put me in the van and took me to jail and keep me for overnight. It's just a torture for us. Yeah, so... So, although you're born in that country... Yeah. Right. So if you're transgender, you basically get arrested, but you're not charged. You're just kept overnight. You're not charged. You just... Yeah, they just want to torture you. you just, right. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Yeah. So... so um, right. So what name was... Have you, have you ever seen your birth certificate? Yes, I've, I've seen my birth certificate. Um, of course, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, some I people. Can't... Well, some people have it. It can be very hard to get your birth certificate sometimes. No, no, no. I, I, I've seen my birth certificate, but you know what? In Singapore, we it's not like over here. Over mm. here, you can change your birth certificate gender now, mm. but in Singapore, you can't unless you. No, actually, birth certificate you can't change at all, and you can change your gender on your ID or your passport if you go for the full. Reassignment surgery. Mm -hmm. So, if you haven't gone through the whole process, you are still considered like illegal in Singapore for dressing up like a woman. But if you've gone through the whole process, it's yeah. If you've gone, yeah, you have gone through the whole process, you will be considered a female. Right. You will be granted a female gender on your ID and your passport. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, I assume you did you go to preschool in Singapore? Did they have a thing? Yes, I do. Yeah, I went to preschool in Singapore. Um, all my friends in school are mostly are girls. Right. <laughs> I was a very soft person. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I know, um, that I'm I'm different at a very early age. At that time, I mean, I go to school in the 90s and there's no internet whatsoever. So you don't get, um, uh, you know, a manual book of transgender, you know. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So what was it like for somebody who's, um, as you said, soft I, in primary school and felt um, they were a little bit different? How did your life pan out then? You know what? In primary school and mm. even secondary school, I didn't get bullied at all. Um, even though people see that I was different, um, I was with all these girls who always being very protective of me. Mm. And there's no, uh, the, yeah, they, they won't allow um, uh, me being bullied by um, boys in school. Mm. What do you think? So that... I was lucky. 
Yeah, but why do you think that is? Is it your personality that um, that attracted people in terms of uh, protecting you in this situation? I guess we have bonded. We are uh, the girls that I mix around with are very uh, outspoken, mm-hmm. and um, they, to be honest, they are very well known in school. So they are like the eat girl. Then yeah, so right. <laughs> yeah. So um, I was just lucky to be mixing around with them, and they always been very protective of me. Even though you know, sometimes I go to school wearing a woman's handbag or right. a bit of makeup on my face. Yeah, mm-hmm. and this was primary and secondary school. Yeah, primary and secondary school. Right. Um, mm. When did your parents start thinking that maybe things were a little Ooh. bit different? Okay, so I grew up in a Muslim household. Mm-hmm. So, you know, being gay is not an option because, you know, because of religious um, background. Um, and I'm also the only child. Mm-hmm. So when my mom found out about my cross-dressing, especially when she was cleaning my room and she found all these girls' clothes behind the wardrobe, I hide my girls' clothes behind the wardrobe. Mm-hmm. And she found out and then there's also pictures to prove I was wearing it. So I couldn't get away with it. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I had to uh, come clean and I told her that, yes, I sometimes dress up as a woman to go out with my girlfriends, blah, blah, blah. Mm. And I said, I will never do it again. And and then, yeah, I did it again in two weeks' time. And I I actually went out with my girlfriends and I I put my girls' clothes in the letterbox uh, when I came home. Um, Mm. And then I forgot... I overslept and I forgot to take that girl's clothes out from the letterbox and she found it again. Yes, it must have been very difficult for them, your parents, was it? Or they wouldn't... uh, Exceptionally difficult. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, they've they've never... They never had trans uh, friends or Mm. they they don't know anything about uh, transgender kids Mm. at that time. So it was really hard for them. So um, I was grounded after my... after my year six or seven, mm-hmm. I can't remember. I was grounded, just waiting for my result. I was grounded. Everybody was going out, having fun. And I I had to make a really tough decision and ran away from home at the age of 16. In Singapore? In Singapore. Mm. And you, you, yeah. said, you said you came from a Muslim background. What, 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 what's your ethnic background? Uh, so my I'm Malay, mm-hmm. so Malay-Singaporean, and my whole family are Muslims. Yeah. Well, that, that's unusual to be Malay Singaporean in Singapore. Is that correct? Oh, no, no, no. Um, oh, right. uh, Malay Singaporeans are the, the indigenous uh, people of Singapore. Right. Because Singapore was owned, Singapore was part of Malaysia until mm. we went independent. Yes. So Malay people are the indigenous people. But, in but, 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 but you're not the majority. Uh, yeah, we probably not the majority um, since we went independent. Mm. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So, did you graduate from high school? Although you ran away at sixteen, did you go back? To I school? graduate. I, yes, I finished my high school. I graduated my high school, but I couldn't get into the uni because uh, they wouldn't allow trans people to enroll into a university in Singapore. So at that, sta- at that stage, you were openly trans in Singapore. I was already openly trans because I ran away from home. I already start. Um, um, black market um, hormones and yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so um, and yeah they couldn't accept trans people 
in um, university. So it took me a while. So I I work um, and build uh, my, my independent life. Mm-hmm. And at the age of 21, um, I enrolled myself into a private uh, college. And yeah, I was the first trans to, to be in that college. And they accept me, accepted me. And what uh, subjects did you do? What I was uh, fashion marketing and management. Fashion marketing management. Yeah, so fashion. I like business. that. I like that. Fashion <laughs> market managing. <laughs> I always love fashion, and um, yeah, I. You know what? Growing up, my mom always wanted me to be a doctor, to be a lawyer, to uh, be. Everybody, yeah, every and, parent's dreams. I'm a doctor. Right. I fulfill my mother's dreams. You didn't fulfill yours. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I always thought I grew up going to be to be to be honest. I, I always grew. I always think that I'm going to grow up to be a pilot. Ooh. But yeah, that went down the drain. Um, oh, hang on, hang on. We've got all these uh, fruit bars from Virgin here at 3CR. <laughs> so there must be some connection. You mustn't have given up being a pilot. You know. That would be my mom's dream, but I yeah. ended up being in fashion. And then yes. at that time, she really accepted me for who I am. Um, she was proud of me of doing something with my life, like being right. in the fashion industry. Yeah. Right. So when did so did was your dad ever accept you, or did he just hold back? Uh, okay, my dad passed away when I was four oh, right. due to so illness. So yeah, so, so he didn't get to see my get to see my change. Right. I assume your, mm. mother, your mother would say that was a blessing. <laughs> I, do you know what we actually had this conversation me and my mom mm-hmm. and I said like what do you think what would Papa think of me if I mm-hmm. transition and she said you know what I think he will accept you for who you are that's lovely um, mm-hmm. yeah because my mom my father is a very quiet person and you know he's a very loving person mm-hmm. my mom is a bit of an g- aggressive person so she, because you know of her tough life um in her childhood, so that's why she always really very tough, a uh, woman. Um, so yeah, I think my dad would accept me better than my mom. Right. So mm. you said your mum's life was tough. Do, do you want to yes. go down that that pathway? Sure. You know, coming from uh, she has two, uh, uh, she has two brothers and the only um, female um, uh, sister, um, and she. Her father was very old-fashioned. So growing up in the 60s, she, she, the father um, uh, expected her to be doing house chores and being in the kitchen just like her mother. Mm-hmm. So they, she doesn't get all the privileges like her brother, like getting jobs outside and, yeah, those kind of things. Right. So, yeah. So And then at the age of 21, she actually ran away from home and got herself a job, and that's where she starts her independent life. Right. You know what? Funny thing is, my actually short film is coming this Saturday. It's about my mother. Oh, <laughs> tell us about it. Okay, it's it's uh it's a short film by small uh it's small wonders arts. It's uh it's an online exhibition. Um, a short film that is directed and produced by me. And um, hang, on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Yes, I don't like this. You seem to be very talented. I'm speaking to an exceptionally talented person, fashion marketing, film <laughs> director, film producer. <laughs> well, 
Well, this is my very... Well, I always like into the creativity uh, part of work. I'm not really good with academics. So, yeah. So, if you, if, you, if you want me to do math, I'll probably fail. So. Well, I'm sure you've done. I'm sure you've done maths in terms of the cost and <laughs> and whether you're going to recoup the cost. You know what? When I was in college, I had to take this accounting um, um, exam, and I failed twice. And um, I had to take the third time, and I just just passed because I wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't my passion right, at all. Right. Mm-hmm. So you're going to tell me this film about your mum is going to be a, a money losing? Okay. <laughs> so. <laughs> So it's an exhibition um, uh, of uh, there's five trans uh, people, including me. Mm-hmm. Um, every individually has their own uh, personal story, um, and uh, my story. The title is called "A Love Letter to My Mother." Right. So um, I don't think it's something that this is something that I've never done before. Even like producing a movie, I've never done this before. This is my very first time. So um, there's two mothers. Uh, One is my birth mom and one is my mentor. So my mentor who mentored me in my transitioning process at the age of 18, when she found me like a lost puppy in Singapore and then she took me under her wing and then, yeah, Tell us this process. Here you are from 16 to 18. Obviously, it's an exceptionally mm-hmm. lonely time for you. You talk about a mentor. How, how did this all come about? You know what? Um, it wasn't a lonely time for me. I thought that was the best time ever best. because I was young. <laughs> yes. I was young and I was enjoying life. I have mm. boys around me. and mm. th- Yeah, you know what? Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, that was the best time. And then, you know, at, at some point, um, I had a breakdown because, you know, society are just very mean to me and just making fun of me and making fun of my gender all mm. the time. Mm. And I always feel that like I always have to defend myself. Right. And I was a bit lost and I always, I asked myself, is this really the life that I want? But if I'm going to change into a man again, will I be happy? Until I met uh, my mentor, her name is Amy Tashiano. She uh, she's a transgender woman as well. She's really uh, well known in Singapore. And um, I actually joined um, a competition, a dance competition in her club, and that's where she started to uh, to notice me. And then we start having conversation and said, where are you staying? I said, why you pay so much money for rent? I said, I don't know. I mean, I, I just need somewhere that I can sleep. Mm. Um, and she offered me, uh, she said, why don't you come and move with me and, you know, and I can help you out. So the rent won't be that expensive. And yeah, that's how I actually start um, living my life as uh, 100% like a woman because she would teach me how to cook, probably, um, you know, I was still a young kid and I do a lot of mistakes, like, example, going out and not switching off the light. She would get really angry on that and she's like, you need to come back home and switch off the lights because I'm not going to switch like off that I light like for you. Her. I like her, a bit of discipline yeah. for you young people. Yeah, and I wonder if she's a mentor. Yeah. Yes. At that time, I don't appreciate that at all. <laughs> but now that you got to, now that you got to pay your own electricity bills, I assume you do that's appreciate it. it. That's it. <laughs> so actually, coming to coming to Australia, 
I was struggling a little bit because um, I we, I don't know do a lot of things like DIY stuff because being in Singapore we always have people doing things for us. Mm. So um, and yeah, but you know, learning from what Amy have taught me, I brought it to my life here in Australia. I think yeah, I start to appreciate her. This is why I want to do this film. Uh, based on her as well because I want to show my gratitude and my appreciation to her. Mm. Going back to the film about your mum mm-hmm. that's coming out next week, how do people... Uh, act- this week, this, this Saturday. This, this Saturday, this is big. Yes, yes, and you've yes. broken it on uh, Radical Australia. This is big, big yes, news. Yes. How, do people, how do people become part of the process? Okay, so uh, there's tickets um, online, so you just have to uh, check out Small Wonders, W-O-N-D-R, S, uh, Small Wonders Arts, and um, you'll find all the details there. Really? Oh, that mm. sounds easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, look, looks like uh, as a producer, you, uh, you've got this uh, sewn up. I'm, uh, I'm impressed. Well, I, I, I just want to listen to know that this is not Hollywood quality. <laughs> this is my that's why. Part. That's why they need to watch it because it's real. It's not manufactured. Yeah. It's real. It's from the heart. Correct. It's yeah, from so your heart, yeah. It's part of a storytelling, so mm. it's also, um, yeah. So this is my story to, about my mum, two mums. All right, now I want to go back to Singapore. For, just talk about it for a while. Sure. Now, look, every young man has to do compulsory military service in, mm. in Singapore. You now, did your research. Of course I do, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Actually, I don't actually do research. I had a friend here at Three CR who uh, was deported back to Singapore, but he was here for about fifteen years because he refused to okay. do compulsory military service, and he eventually was deported back. So okay. I'm well aware yeah, of yeah. the situation. So, when? How old were you when you were gender reassigned, and how did that fit in with this oh. push for compulsory military service? Okay, so um, I really transitioned when I got the letter to uh, to go for my military service, right. and I went for the first interview. Um, they checked me up and everything. I went there um, um, as a woman. Mm-hmm. I really developed some chest already because of my hormones as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of my friends said you probably will get exempted because you know you're transgender. Already, so um, so and then we waited. I, I can't remember how long I waited, and until um, uh, until I got a second letter saying that I had to go to do my service, national service. I was so disappointed, to be honest. I was scared and disappointed that I actually have to go go through this. So I was preparing myself for two weeks, and you know, all my there's there's negative. Um, Feedback and also a lot of positive feedback um, for those people has been um, doing the national service. So I went there. Uh, cut the story short. I went there and I gave them my passport and they said, "Take a seat. The bus is ready, waiting to to go uh, because we all have to get into this bus and then you know go somewhere. Mm-hmm. Going to take us somewhere." And um, and then after half an hour, they called my name and said, "You." You can go home and we will call you. Um, <laughs> uh, we'll call you uh, again. So uh-huh. I don't know what that even means, but I was so glad to just get out of that place because yes. it looked pretty scary. Yeah. Yeah. 
And um, and then um, when my first trip uh, organized to go to New York with my friends for holiday, mm-hmm. and the travel agency said you actually can't travel. I said why? Because you 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 are not exempted from national service. I said, oh my God, and we are supposed to actually fly in two days. Right. And she told me, like, you need to go to the national service HQ, get get the confirmation, and then we can approve you this ticket. So I went there um, and found out um, that they can't approve it straight away, but they gave me an exempted letter for me to get out of the country. Mm-hmm. And after that, they, um, and then um, I used that um, to travel with it. And I came back and then they chalked my passport that I'm exempted from National Service. Right. So I, I th- didn't get to do it. No, I think they thought you c- could be a distraction for the uh, young men. <laughs> well, you know, why not? Well, why not? They're working really hard. They will be working really hard in the camp, so uh, that's we right. Well, yeah, well, they didn't want you know? they didn't want to, they didn't want them to take their eyes off, you know, killing people. <laughs> all right, you know, so <laughs> having you there may may have actually given them other ideas. Uh, which, uh, so, so, so you said you went overseas. Where did you go overseas when you were so young? Uh, well, uh, I went to my first trip to, out of Singapore was uh, to New York, and ah, the wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that is my very first trip. So when was that? When, when was that? That was, um, you know what, the, uh, the, I think it was the same year when the, the Twin, Twin Towers, Towers came, came down. To, right. Yeah, yeah, so, right. same year. So you, 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 I was, you weren't there when I was, it came down, were they? No, I, I was just there before. It was June, and mm. that happened in September, yeah. Mm. So yeah. what what did a... Well, Singapore's pretty cosmopolitan, but you go to New York. What did you think? Uh, I was a bit disappointed because I was watching all these movies. You know, <laughs> New York looks so pretty. Breakfast at Tiffany, <laughs> and I went there. It was just like just one big city, just normal people. Don't really uh, um, yeah. doesn't look as beautiful on TV. Yeah, but <laughs> you know, you know, Sasha, you know, Sasha, it's about money. You could have had breakfast at Tiffany if you had enough money, and obviously you didn't have I didn't it. have money. I was very young. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and, you know, New York you is know, about money, you know that. Of course I do know now. Yes. Um, at that time, I was just young and stupid and naive <laughs> and just thinking that New York going to look like what I saw on TV, but it's not. It's, not. it's just grey, it's just dirty, just polluted, people are everywhere, wearing trackies, and yeah. Oh, wearing trackies, that would have been... Yeah. Can I tell you something? Mm-hmm. Can I tell you something privately, because nobody listens to this program? Uh, all right, tell me. I have never worn track suits in my, pan- in my life, and I refuse... And I refuse, and I don't... And I've never worn jeans in my life. I just refuse point blank. I think with you, okay. I-, I agree... There is fashion. Currently, I'm wearing a nice purple-pink shirt, you know? Uh, I think uh-huh. c- colour is essential. And oh, how can anybody wear a tracksuit? They're so disgusting. <laughs> it's comfy. Yeah, but it's disgusting. Don't tell me you wear them. I wear them at home. Oh, especially during oh, winter. It's so nice. Oh, Sasha, I'm so disappointed in you. I thought... 
Oh, <laughs> but mine is my, but mine is not those oversized trackies that you see people wearing. It's like you know some trendy tra- trackies with details on. Oh, all right. Or maybe tassels or sequins. Tassels and sequins on a tracksuit. <laughs> oh, God, give me patience, as they say. Uh, so, what you made have to make it fashion? Uh, the actual when, when you did the surgical transition, what was um, what was your feeling like before and after? How did you feel about okay. it psychologically before and after? Okay, so within my group of friends, I was the the only person who is scared of surgery, even needles. Like we used to, um, mm. we have to use needles to to have our hormones. And usually I'll be really scared to get the needles inside me. But you know what? Um, at the age of 21, I thought I'm going to um, have my first uh, breast augmentation mm-hmm. because everybody have big boobs already. And I have this tiny A-cup supple <laughs> boobs just from the hormones. Well, no wonder, they, no I, wonder they didn't throw you out from military service <laughs> in the first interview. <laughs> so, and... Um, and um, you know what? I got a really funny story for this. I was me and my bestie was really really drunk. Uh, we went out um, that night and and we came back home to my place and then just like let's book um uh let's book a ticket uh, and also an appointment with the doctor in Bangkok um for your breast augmentation. So we were like still drunk making this appointment mm-hmm. and then um and then we lap and then wake up in the morning and was like oh no what have I just done and we and really uh, booked tickets and everything so I could we, that's two weeks uh, prior before my surgery so that two weeks I was having nightmares and everything I was like chicken I almost chicken out mm. but until I got to Bangkok and got my um, got everything set up before even I they start the surgery, I already fell asleep without the morphine because I was that tired and scared the night before. Right. How did you feel yeah. about going to Bangkok for surgery? It was um, in, at that time, Bangkok was the place to go, um, especially for for uh, Asian trans people. That's the place to go. Everybody goes there for, for surgery. So, what, They don't do it in Singapore or was it just... They, uh, they do in Singapore, but it's Super expensive. Right. At that time, I only paid only like two thousand, just under two thousand dollars for a pair of boobs. But it, it doesn't cost like that anymore. Probably more. more triple I'm, the price. I'm now. sure it is. Look, I'm going to do something. Yeah. I'm going to do something very professional now. You, as a fellow broadcaster, sure. would know. This is Radical Australia on Community Radio Three CR. You're listening to Joseph Toscano chatting away with Sasha Sidek. Well, how did you like that, Sasha? Did you like that as a kind of a announcement? Did you like that? Yeah, I love that. Very professional, do you that. think? Do you think I could come on your show or you could come on my shows or something? I am in your show right now. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, this is Kelly's show. Sorry. This is Kelly's show. All right, she's the producer. She does all the work. I just have a little chat with you, Sasha. That's all I do. I do no preparation. You know, because I just I just want to go where we want to go. So you you, you had your augmentation. Mm -hmm. Were you happy? 
with the very happy, right? Very happy because I'm like I got boobs now. Everybody has boobs. I got boobs now, so right. I was quite happy. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when did you go the whole hog, as they say? Um, you know what? I have a few other surgeries after that because I was just getting a bit, um, getting used to all these surgeries. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so there's always like when I have some extra cash, maybe I'll just go some change here and there. And yeah. <laughs> what, 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 like, what, what type of surgery? Like I have like um, facial surgery. Right. And I got, um, this is my third breast augmentation mm-hmm. um, as well. So mm-hmm. I had a few others, uh, you know, just uh, mm-hmm. modification. A lot of people say I don't need it, but I'm just doing it just for myself, I guess. Um, yeah. You well, should do things for yourself, not for others. Is, is it just to reinforce your uh, image of yourself? Or do you think you've actually got an, addi- I just, an addiction uh, to surgery? No, I don't think I have an addiction. I've, I've seen a lot of those people on TV. I think there's an addiction. I don't have an addiction. I just like to, um, you know, uh, to, to repair my insecurities. Right. Physically, you repair, yeah. you repair them physically. Well, yes. So what made you leave Singapore? I left Singapore. I came here to do my internship here um, with one of my buddies, and her name is Christine. And then um, um, the trial period has gone, uh, it's finished, and then I got offered a job here. You got offered a job in Australia? I got a job, yeah, in, in Melbourne, and then she didn't, but yeah. You got so a, you got it's offered... a bit of sweet. Sorry? Bittersweet, but a job. Can you can you elaborate? Sure. Um, we uh, we were we were work, we were assigned um, to work with uh, an advertising company here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, and then they loved me. They offered me the job, so I stick around. And yeah, and then I start to get to know a lot more trans people here and knowing uh, also I actually came I've never been to Australia until I came here for my internship so and then I start to understand what's uh, trans rights here and slowly getting to know myself well mm. this is why I don't think I ever would be back in Singapore because trans people are still not being treated well there we did not have any discrimination law for gay people too right we are not protected there. Yeah. So, well, there's no. Are you worried about violence in Singapore because you're trans? Okay. Um, I can just speak for myself. Yeah, I've just been, for yourself. I'm uh, talking about. Yeah. 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 I've been. Yeah. Of course, I've been beaten up not only just by transphobic men. Mm. I also been beaten up by older generation of trans women as well. Mm. Yeah, because they never like. Um, like the new upcoming trans women um, in the community, they, are, they just feel threatened or, you know, yeah. So I've been beaten up a few times. Well, well it's good to know that um, in your community, it's, it's kind of, that type of personal violence seems to be part and parcel of every type of community, uh, irrespective of whether you're gay or trans or straight or whatever seems to be yeah. a huge issue, obviously, the, the interpersonal violence in, in, in relationships. It's as, if, yeah. it's as if we don't know how to deal with 
you know, friction in, in, these, in, in a relationship. Mm. Agree, because the problem being in Singapore as well, if you're being beaten up, um, you can't go to the police because they won't protect you. Like over here, you we have our own, we have our rights. You can go to authorities and uh, action will be taken. Like over in Singapore, it's not. It's different. Mm. Mm. So okay. that's why a lot of us just brush it off under the carpet and move on the next day. You know, we we bruises faces yeah. and we just yeah. have to move on our, with our life the next day. Well, look, I've got a, I've got a lot of respect for the older trans community in Australia because mm. it wasn't easy. It was exceptionally, mm-hmm. exceptionally difficult uh, in the 70s and 80s. Yeah. A very well-known uh, trans woman was a woman called Jan Roberts here in Australia. And uh, she wrote a number of books, including a book called Jack of Cake Grimm in 1988. And she was one of the first ones to be gender reassigned in, in Australia. And um, she uh, almost bled to death because nobody was particularly interested in assisting her post-surgery because she was one of the very first. And uh, I'm proud to say that I've inherited all her books from a friend. Yeah, and she had to go and live in in England because things were so oh. difficult here. So, you know, it's, right. and it's, it's... And I can understand the older trans community thinking all these young whippersnappers have, are enjoying... Uh, the fruits of our struggle, but they're actually not acknowledging us. Yeah, yeah. Mm, because, uh, you know, it was not, not long ago, I'm talking about 30, 40 years ago, that things were terrible. I mean, gays were being th- thrown off cliffs in Sydney, drowned in the Torrens in, uh, in Adelaide, you know. It's, uh, so there's been great progress, but it's been through uh, the struggle of the older uh, yeah. community. Yeah. You know what? Um, I actually went to Kiwi Island a couple of years ago um, and um, caught up with the sister girls. Mm-hmm. Sister girls are, are a community of trans people. Mm. And they only recently being accepted by the community in the island. It's yes. Un- yes. Yeah, because it's... it's yeah, before that, they they were not acknowledged by mm. uh, by the community until uh, every single one of them um, death was by suicide, and then the the community starts to acknowledge them, and they yeah, yeah. it's sad. I mean, at this time of era, I mean, people should be yeah. Things should be different already yeah. by now. Well, they should, but again, it's difficult. Look, I'll give you a, f- a funny example, but it's quite tragic, really. But, yeah. but my late wife, Ellen Jose, was a uh, Torres Strait Islander. And uh, when we first moved to Melbourne in the late 70s and 80s, uh, we knew a number of Torres Strait Islanders that come to Melbourne. They're all gay or trans. Mm-hmm. A- and uh, the reason I used to think that everybody in the Torres Strait was gay or trans was because that's the only people I met in Melbourne. And my wife explained to me, she said, look, Joe, it's very simple. If you're gay or you're trans and you're in a small indigenous community, well, not all of them are in Torres Strait anyway, you need to leave in order to survive. It's that simple. Obviously, things. I'm really pleased to hear that things have changed or are changing. Yeah, so it's very difficult. Now, I just want to go down another path. Religious beliefs, do you have any? Well, I'm, I was. I grew up... Um as Muslim, I still be- I don't practice, but I do believe uh, mm. in, in Islam. Yes. Right. Do you know that uh, 
Melbourne has one of the eight gay imams in the world. Yes, I've okay. met one of them. Yes, yes, you've met him? Yeah. yeah he's yes, a, I've met him, yes. Yeah, he's a wonderful human being. Wonderful he human is. being. Yeah, he's a, he, he provides something that... Um, because, see, it's not like being a Roman Catholic priest where you can be expelled by the church. Once you're an imam, you're an imam for life. Nobody can actually take that away from you. Yeah. And he... Um, he marries uh, a lot of couples that are, you know, in the Muslim tradition, you you can't marry a non-Muslim, basically, if you're a woman. And uh, he marries people, and it's all legitimate, which is good to see, that things, th- even in that community, are beginning to change. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, like I said, coming to Australia, it, it opened up my eyes and even uh, my heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, compared to if I live in Singapore, I I give you another story. My my girlfriend who went through the whole surgery, right? And she's a woman, and she fell in love with a Muslim guy. She's Muslim. She had she fell in love with a Muslim guy, and when they gonna when they about to get married, the um, the imam told them one of you has to uh, give away your religion. They, she can't marry both of them. Uh, as as Muslim because she used to be a man. Mm-hmm. I thought that was BS. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. So there's all all different people have different interpretations. But do you believe in a god? Yeah, I mean, it's between that person and um and God. Like, yeah, but but what, you but you, you but you believe in a god. I do believe in God. I mean, sometimes when I'm sad or. Maybe uh, my friend in trouble, or I'm in trouble. I sometimes I pray um, mm-hmm. in my bedroom. Right, right. Yeah. So, um, like I said, I'm not a practicing Muslim, but I do know. Um, I do read the Quran. I didn't finish the Quran, but I do um, read the Quran um, when I was really, really young, and yeah, only halfway. Right. <laughs> Well, you've done better than me. I never finished reading the Bible either, so you've done. (laughs) I've moved one step. I describe myself as an atheist, so I've gone away from all that stuff. Um, Most likely on my deathbed, I'll revert, you know, just in case. Each way bet, you know what it's like. I I call myself a, uh, what do I call myself, a um, non-practicing atheist. You know what? At the end of the day, it's not about religion. You just have to be kind to people. Mm. I mean, I've seen some people who are so religious that they have to judge others of their choice of uh, living of life. Mm. I mean, why are you that religious? Why why you have to hate other people? Why can't you just be kind? Mm. So I guess you know, at the end of the day, it's between that person and that person's uh, beliefs, and just be kind. So is that a guiding principle in your life, in your relationships? Right. It is. Yeah, it is. I mean, I I keep telling, like, my friends and family sometimes, some of them can get lost, some of them are really, really religious, and then they start judging other people's um, uh, choice of life. And I said, like, why would you want to, why would you say that? Why don't you just focus on yourself in what you believe? Um, if, If you think you're doing better than others, good on you. So... As long as this person who doesn't is not as religious as you doesn't uh, affect you, why? Yeah. So. Mm. So do you, do you think do you think you'll stay in Melbourne for the rest of your life, or have you got plans? Yes. No, I think Melbourne um, for now. I don't know if I if I'm going to retire somewhere in Bali um, in twenty years time mm. <laughs> at the moment, 
definitely Melbourne. I love the cold. I love this bipolar um, weather. Bipolar weather. I've never heard yeah. Melbourne described as bipolar. <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah. Well, yesterday this morning it was. I woke up and it was raining. I'm thinking, where's the sun? Yeah. Mm, uh, I know. I thought it's going to be sunny today. And, and if you've got a window, you can look at the. Well, you're kind of stuck in the CBD with with all these houses, you know, apartments and stuff. I'm, no, no, no. I, I'm actually looking out the window, and um, it stopped raining now, Has so it? the sun is coming out. Good. Yeah. It means when I leave the studio, it'll be all right to go out in the sun. I hope so, because we're in a different post postcode at the moment, so, you know, like oh, I right. said, now, but right. it's bipolar. Right. Right. <laughs> you right. don't know what you're going to get within five minutes. No. So, going, going, have you gone back to Singapore since you came here a decade ago? Yes, of course. My mom still lives there. Mm-hmm. My grandmother still lives there. So, we are very close to each other. My mom uh, and grandmother live together. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, my mom also has been here before many times. She loves the countryside. Um, she's obsessed with apple tree, which I don't know why. Whenever we go to the country, well, she's like, you must we need to ta- find the apple tree. Have you taken it to Tasmania yet? Not yet. But well, well things, things, are, things are opening up, Sasha. You need yes. to take your mum to Tasmania. It's got the best apples in Australia. <laughs> yeah, actually, good idea. Yes, actually, Tasmania is so beautiful. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it would be a wonderful holiday for her and yourself, mm. you know, together. Mm. be. I think it would be very, very nice. If she's into apple trees... I mean, the best the, apple trees. the best apples I've ever seen are in a place called Omori in Japan. They have the best apples right. in the world. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, look, I don't want to talk trivia, but I don't want to talk too serious stuff now because obviously you're fitting in into Australian society. Are there things about yeah. Australian society that you find unnerving or that uh, depress you or make you angry? Um. When I first came here, I do get those kind of um, um, racism that was directed to me. But at the time, I did not understand. I thought it was just humor or just playing. Mm. Um, but after a while, I, I start to understand that that was a racist remark to me, like calling me Miss Ching Chong or saying, go back to where you come from at the time. Because I do not... Uh, I've never experienced racism back in Singapore, so it's, it's so it's all new to me. Mm. Until I start to learn about yeah about people being racist here and stuff, and say, oh my god, I actually experienced that before, and and I didn't actually get offended because I didn't even know it was it was um, a racist remark. Yeah, but now I'm I'm good at talking back because I every day I learn something new. I'm good at talking back and try to educate people. Uh, instead of getting offended, I like to educate people and telling people that it's wrong. Right, they may yeah. find they must they must find that um, interesting because you know the stereotype here is of you know the oppressed Asian woman. You know, who never speaks mm. back, so they must. <laughs> I would like to see one of those encounters where you confront one of these people who's giving you a racist <laughs> comment. It would be fascinating to see the look oh, in their eyes. <laughs> I have a, 
many times. I <laughs> know. <laughs> Even my friend like settle down. I said, I'm not going to settle down. I've done that before, and I, I'm, I'm just going to say it. Yeah. I'm just going to tell that that is just wrong. Yeah, well, it's subtle, and that's what people don't understand. It can be very, very subtle, and Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders have put up with it for um, centuries yeah. in this country. Uh, it just can be just so subtle, and it can be. Even in some cases, totally unconscious, you know? Like people think, as you said, they think it's a funny statement to make. They don't understand there's a, there's a racial element to it. Yeah. Exactly. Even like within my friends too, sometimes the, the wrong terminology or some, some of the words they, they still use, it's just so old. And I said, like, you need to polish up your language. It's Whoa! Like, <laughs> and they said, like, okay, Sasha, okay, I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but they understand me now because they know that I come from a good place and just trying to educate them instead of yeah telling them and get offended. Yeah, talking yeah. about talking about languages, you must speak at least three languages. You speak what Malay, Chinese, English. Yeah. Yes, I speak Mandarin, Mandarin and Bahasa. Oh, yeah. Oh no, actually four. So I have Bahasa, mm-hmm. that's Malay language, Bahasa. Um, Bahasa Melayu and Bahasa Indonesia is almost the same, and and then Mandarin, and then English, and then also Singlish. Okay la. Okay la. Okay la. Okay. How are you la? How are you la? <laughs> oh, I've never heard of that one. Uh, what you never heard of Singlish? No. Oh, wow, okay. We you can educate me now. I said at the beginning right, of the program you wouldn't be able to educate <laughs> me, but educate me. Singlish is really popular. Uh, it's very well known in Singapore because it's considered a broken English. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we speak, we just shot everything out. Like, um, uh, instead of how are you, we said, you okay? You okay, ah? You okay? Yeah. yeah so no. that's Singlish. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, so it's a little bit, little yeah. bit like pigeon, is it? Melanesian pigeon. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Yeah. If you actually Google on YouTube about Singlish, you it's so funny. You, you will hear, <laughs> oh my goodness! I sometimes cannot stand it at all. Like, oh my goodness! Like, yeah. Uh, Living here for quite some time now, Singlish is like, oh, it's so annoying, so irritating to hear. Right, but it's it, it's the common language, is the people's language, isn't it? It's the language of, yeah, in Singapore, it's yeah, English. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I'll have to learn some. Now, I understand that you walked into 3CR some time ago. When, when did all that happen? Okay, so um, I was I was invited to be a guest at Behind Closed Doors. Mm-hmm. And um, so I came and um, did my interview, blah, blah, blah. And then within, I think, about... Uh, a month, um, Kiki, um, the founder of Behind Closed Door, contacted me and said, um, do you want to be one of uh, the hosts? Because one of them dropped out. I said, <laughs> I never thought of being a radio host. And, um, and I told her, can I think about it? She said, you can think about it. Why don't you uh, take the course and think about it? And then when I took the course, I was like, oh, this is fun. Uh, intimidating at the same time too because I have no idea about radio at all. I've never had passion doing radio. But my passion was to to be an advocate uh, for my community, especially with my trans community. So I thought this would be a perfect opportunity for me to to be an advocate for my community, hmm. being at 3CR. 
And yeah, that's how it started. Mm. So how long have you been broadcasting now as a host? Almost three years. And what's the... Anything that sticks in your mind, any particular lesson? Okay, so um, the first year, I was so insecure in myself. I always said, like, I don't really have a good radio voice for this. And, you know, my skills are not that great. And I actually do not know much about sex work um, uh, politics. Mm-hmm. And I always had to do research. When they talk about politics stuff, I had to do research on my own and try to understand what they're talking about because I don't want to sound stupid or, you know, asking stupid questions. But Kitty always tell me there's no stupid question. You can just ask us anything. And, um, yeah, so for one year, I was really uh, very insecure with myself doing this radio. Um, and I don't really have the confidence um, much confident to do this uh, with behind closed doors, but after a while, I just um, I start listening to other podcasts like overseas podcasts, and some of them don't really have the voice for radio. But the reason they did all these podcasts is because the passion to to have a change, to do changes mm-hmm. um, for the the world or for uh, for whatever cause they are doing. So I thought, yeah. So I said, why am I being hard on myself? I I will never have a really good voice, or will never have that accent, that Aussie accent that both of my um my um co-hosts have. So I just gonna do me. I just gonna focus on what I'm here for, and that's how I gain my confidence. And then you guys, if you asked me last year if I want to do a radio with you, I would say no. Look, you, you would turn me down, Sasha. I would turn you down, yes. I'm, I'm shocked. I'm shocked. <laughs> so, I, can't, I yeah. can't believe it. You would turn the opportunity to have an hour chat with me and the three <laughs> listeners that listen to Radical Australia. You would turn us down. I'm shocked, uh, I, Sasha. I, I used to be that person. I turn a lot of opportunities down because I would just did mm. not think. I always ask, why do they want to talk to me? I do not have a good voice. I who, I, I'm no one. But now when people ask me to do something, I say like, yes, I know why they ask me. Because, exactly. You've got a brain yeah. and you've got the passion and you can actually articulate the ideas. I mean, here in Australia yeah. in the 1950s and 1960s, you couldn't get a job on the Australian Broadcasting Commission unless you used an English accent. It was that simple. We were ashamed of our own accent. Now, in the last few oh, minutes, wow. yeah, that's, what it, that's, that's the difference. And that's the great thing about community radio, which was introduced by the Whitlam Labor government in the mid-70s. It gave yeah. ordinary people and minorities and marginalised groups the ability to articulate ideas in their own. So in the last yeah. minute or so, um, in the last minute or in the last two minutes, what advice have you got for um, young people who are struggling with their, their sexual identity? You know what? You are not alone. Um, there's always support and help out there. You can reach out. Um, you are not being judged. People always think that they're too scared to get help because they're scared of being judged. You, you won't. You won't be judged. Everything is personal. Everything is confidential. So if you really need help, just reach out. Um, there's a lot of outlets out there and organisations that will happy to help you. It's something that I've never experienced back in Singapore. We never have had all that in Singapore. So over here, we have all the help that um, you, you need. Mm. 
And, and for general, yeah. some general advice to listeners, to, the best way to get the best out of life, because, you know, as you know, life isn't a dress rehearsal. We only get one chance. That's it. Um, you know what? Um, do not... It's easy saying than doing, but I always think do not... Um, do not move forward. I mean, uh, um, you know, live your life to the fullest. Live your life, live your truth. Because it's only you who can change the your outcome of your, your life. It's, it, it's, it's all up to you. Mm. You're, ba- mm. you're basically saying you're the person you've been waiting for. You can't rely on other people to live yeah. your life for yeah. you. Yeah. Mm, that's it. Yeah, look, it's been a, a pleasure speaking to you. I've, Thank uh, you. I've enjoyed the conversation and I'm pleased that uh, you've grown up and you're happy to come on Radical Australia. You're not frightened anymore. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Joseph and Kelly, for this opportunity. I mean, yeah. Right. After a few years, I got my confidence back. <laughs> no, you've done well and uh, welcome, to the, welcome to the Australian community and you keep educating those people out there that... Uh, at the end of the day, we're all flesh and blood, blood and bones, mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter what our sexual orientation is or who we are or our ethnicity, religious beliefs or no religious belief. At the end of the day, as you said, be kind to each other and treat people as you'd like them to treat you, and you'll get through life reasonably well, you know? Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Right. Mm. Thank you very much, and look after yourself. All the best for the future. Thank you. Likewise. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.